0: You are listening to Get Real Podcast. We are back, and one of the things that I didn't realize that we'd be venturing into when we started Get Real, what, two and a half years ago, the podcast version of it, I didn't realize that we'd be venturing into the mysteries of Christ, and I really believe that that is one of the things that is lacking these days in most of your church preaching, is it stays, as you say it, twangy, and it sticks to the basic things that you would probably most likely here in Sunday school. And they go no further than that because they're either afraid to, or maybe it has to do with the fact that their relationship really isn't that deep with Christ, or maybe the person standing in the pulpit really shouldn't be there to begin with, because there's a lot of people that have placed themselves in the pulpit that God has not placed there. And they don't talk about those things. And when we look through a glass rather dimly, we only see a a scratch of the mysteries of Christ. Hmm. And as we walk with him more and more, I, I often wonder what it was like for Adam and Eve to walk with the Lord in the Garden of Eden when he'd reveal those mysteries to them oh, yeah. you know, in the cool of the evening. But when we look through a glass rather darkly or dimly, we're just seeing a scratch of those mysteries. But I really believe we're at a point in time now where Christ with his bride is sharing and divulging more about himself mm. and i really see that kind of stirring in you and you wanted to talk about some peculiar mysteries
1: yes today i did
0: and it's not glenn on rollerblades and a speedo <laughs> that is not the peculiar mystery that you want to talk about so dan what is it that, that god's been showing you
1: a lot man and um do you find this black to be slimming on me it I is very slimming purpose.
0: yes yes i'm <laughs> glad you
1: took off the khaki shirt yeah i look. Like, like a, a big p- 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 pecan sandy. sandy, a flabby one. <laughs> Anyhow. No, it's just uh, a lot of stuff's going on, you know? Oh, yeah. Tell me about um, it. In the world, in our lives, and exciting stuff. And I think what we're going to be discussing today is is kind of the uh, the rumblings of maybe a sermon or something. And I'm kind of excited about it. It's um, I, I called it, I was like, the peculiar mystery of divine participation. And there's a lot of things, I think some of the best messages are the things that we're kind of afraid to approach Mm -hmm. that we don't understand. Remember when we talked about the Sabbath day? Yeah. And it's like, that's a little weird when God is like, and then I rested. And we're like, yeah, that's that's not weird at all that God's like, <laughs> he's almighty God. He makes the whole, you know, everything in six days. And then he's like, he takes a break. Yeah, he
0: had NFL Sunday ticket too on direct TV. I mean,
1: you know. <laughs> he's popping a past, you know, on the sofa. I mean, so there's, you know, we can act like, oh, okay, do not question the things of the almighty. But when you get down to the brass tacks of it, when you really desire to know God, you you can be like Father. I, I don't understand. This is weird to me. I'm, I'm a lowly human, right? right. I'm, I'm weird-brained, and and I don't get this. And so so many of these are prevalent in the Scripture. For example, in the Bible, when it talks about praying, and we're like, oh yeah, I want to pray. I want to pray more effectively. Oh, we got to pray the prayer of faith. We're gonna pray, right? And then. Praying's weird.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because you're talking to something or someone you
1: don't see. Yeah, I mean, um, he's resting, and we know that he never grows weary, according to his word. Right. He's getting us to pray, and we know from his word that he's absolutely sovereign. There's not a single maverick molecule like planning its own gig right? No. You know, Lucifer was like, yeah, I'm going to do this thing. And God's like, right on time. I mean, I don't understand. I can't go in front of all those mysteries. Yeah, it's a lot of mysteries. And so if you're wanting to live mystery-free in Christianity... Radio-free, (laughs) mystery-free. Yeah,
0: forget Lithos. (laughs) Radio-free, mystery-free. Let's get all twangy now up here
1: in the (laughs) fishbowl. See, I grew up in the South and twangy to me represents primarily, and then the definition is, is very loose. We're using it Mm -hmm. all over the place, but I like it as it's growing. But I grew up in the South, so you'd go into a church, and there's a preacher just getting out of breath about something, some angle. They all got an angle. Yeah, well, I grew up in the North, and we called it pretty much the same thing and saw it the same way. So it
0: is, if it's a duck, it's a duck,
1: (laughs) all right? I just remember them, I mean, if it was like they are preaching against rock and roll or they're preaching against some extraneous legalism to try to get you to really prove to yourself and to the world and to him that God's really doing something and I, hey, I'm significant as the preacher or to get you to come down to the altar, boy, they would just get it going and they'd be like the Lord boom, and they get twangy. You right. know what I'm talking uh-huh. about? Oh, I know exactly what and, you're talking um, about. So I don't know how that sounds up in Connecticut. They're like, hey, you guys, <laughs> get down to the altar. Hey, no, you guys, or Vinny's going to come and break your kneecaps if you don't get don't down to the me altar. say it again. Because accidents do happen, <laughs> they do. It's a dangerous world out there, so you better fill up the tithe box. Um, you know, I don't know. So, what were we talking about? Yeah, mysteries. Yeah, mysteries, mysteries, dude. Mysteries. What in the world do yeah. we put in this guy? Cu-
0: Armor of God. Yep. Hey, Carlin yep. Orlando. Yep. There we go. Uh, hey, there we go. Hey, what a, I picked up. You so got man. congratulations, grad. Oh
1: man, <laughs> I can't do anything. Yeah, wrong. we'll Anyways. get it's too different cup. So it talks about prayer. Mm-hmm. And when I look at it, I go, here we go again, Lord. Prayer is weird because, in the sense, we are dealing with Almighty Sovereign God. Another one evangelism. We know what did Jesus say? No one comes up to me except the Father, Father. which hath sent me exactly. draws him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, God, don't you have angels, like ride it in the sky, you know, like on a, <laughs> and you, a know, plane. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It can be like this gigantic hologram in the heavens that said, you know, something that we get this like a uh, show every night and we're like, oh yeah. And then it's like, wouldn't more people get saved? Isn't that better than me and you going out, slopping around, trying our best. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or other people. So it's like, Okay, God, there is a divine mystery, a peculiar mystery of divine participation, but it doesn't only work in the positive schema. All right. Oh, big words today. Wait, wait, wait <laughs> hold on. I deserve a sip.
0: Yep. A sip and a toast for big words. There we go. Very yes. We're words. appealing to all demographics today. So I don't
1: even know if that's the right word. I just heard our rules say it. I thought it was cool. <laughs> it is cool. <laughs> it is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I absorbed some Spruill. Um, but it, it doesn't only occur in positive in instances. And frankly, I'm overwhelmed. I didn't do a whole lot of deep dive and come in here with all kind of like your notes like that. Although last week I did have some notes. You did. Not on the podcast. You did. No, for, something, for different. something different. But um, so I was excited about that. But it also works with what we would say the antagonistic parties throughout life and scripture and history, right? For example, Satan himself. And I'll go deeper into that in a, in a moment. The the part that Pharaoh played. In Romans chapter 9, one of my favorites, and it's where I kind of figured out that I think God is a Calvinist. <laughs> I'm messing with you. I don't understand all the mysteries right. of the election, but it's fun. And But when you look and you read about Pharaoh, and he talks about he hardened Pharaoh's heart. So Pharaoh had a role to play, which his lust, and he was responsible for his sin, and he's power tripping, and he's doing all these things. He's Uh, listening to demons. He's oppressing the children of Israel and all these motivations. It's a cacophony going on in there, right? All these different things. And God is using him exactly where he's at in that time. Judas. Oh, that is a huge mystery. Okay. Yeah. Judas, Satan entered into him. Jesus is like, it'd be better if he wasn't even born. Yeah. It'd be better if that baby didn't even cry. You yeah. Know? Go for it. And even, a,
0: even in the last days, where it says God will give people over to their
1: delusion, He will give them over to delusion. Yeah. It's God's delusion. So it's that weird, yeah, it's weird mystery between not being a puppet and having somewhat a form of agency. But yet at the same time, it's very limited agency. I'm not really as much on the free will train as I was early in my walk with the Lord. But it's like, yeah, there's some sort of agency that we have in there in our sentience to make choices, to respond to what we know of God. And then at the same time, he is using it. It's this wild gauntlet, and it's perfect timing, and there are no accidents, and these things begin happening. There are no coincidences. So God will use, in an antagonistic sense, um, villains, people to carry out the work, think of it one of the most primary and glaring examples and part of me I have to put off a sense of intrepidation I'm no longer in that thing of where when you're young in the Lord and you're like we're gonna stomp the the enemy and do all this stuff that's nonsense and I would encourage uh, Christians not to speak that way don't act like that you know um is there a victory that Christ won over all that you better believe it is mm-hmm. the enemy a a created thing is the de- are the demons that followed him? created non-omniscient non-omnipresent they're beings and they're nervous about what's happening right um but it's not for us you know what was it uh the ain't was the archangel that said the lord rebuke thee the lord rebuke michael you. michael yeah. yeah he didn't even and get into so it with him. man if an angel like that i mean that's some kind of superhero outfit he's got right yeah i don't we don't have that you know no. I, I have like how many years, maybe? And I'm like, oh, I'm tired just after doing nothing. They're like flying across the universe, and what do they do? Yeah, I, th- okay. I
0: think Christian television has really kind of warped our view of things because you see preachers get up there, they start snorting and stomping and commanding all this stuff. Basically, it's wizardry. Yeah. You know, and when you have in emotions, in emotions, when you have Michael the Archangel saying, The Lord rebuked thee, not me, but the Lord rebuked thee. That should say something. It should say something. Take heed. Yeah.
1: Well, so anyway, and partly I was a little bit under intrepidation. Then I turned it into no. Let's use wisdom. I'm I'm safe in the Lord. I don't want to be foolish, and I don't want want to be. Um, what do you say? Presumptuous. Right. You know what I'm saying. You could. It's. Uh, yeah. You don't tease the weasel, as my dad would say. Um, so when you look at the angel of Lucifer, and then all the way through his transition. And you see that even at the very beginning, I thought about the the, Proto-Evangelium in Genesis chapter 3 where the first prophecy of the Messiah is given, where it talks about the seed of the woman and that how eventually, and I'm sorry for the paraphrase, I didn't do a bunch of notes, I wasn't going to go deep dive into this, Mm -hmm. but that the seed of the woman was going to come and was going to, even though it bruised his heel, it was going to crush the head of the serpent. And I'm like, this is very interesting. And then you see in the aftermath, Eve. I believe, and a lot of other, like a lot of scholars, George Whitfield, a lot of different preachers of renown. Um, many of them believed that everybody was convinced that the next baby that was going to be born was going to be the God Man. When Cain was born, there are indications, subtle ones in Scripture, and I don't mind conjecture when you're calling it conjecture. This is not doctrine. We're talking of mysteries that God wants us to go, what's out there? You know, it's exciting. So um, I believe that there's reasonable conjecture that can be uh, issued that they did think that Cain was the Messiah. He would have been the seed of the woman. And they were looking for it. I believe that most likely God explained the gospel to Adam and Eve. He killed a lamb made for them skins, made for them clothing. I think he was speaking to them the gospel and the understanding. So that faith of looking towards the Messiah, that's what saved them. They were saved by faith. Yeah. Before the Hebrew, before the sacrificial temp, uh, uh, temple, before the synagogue, before all that stuff, before um, the law of Moses, before all of that, they were saved by faith looking towards Christ. It's beautiful, isn't that amazing? And it, it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, so much for legalism, and um that was just, just getting old. You know, like yeah. I gotta save myself again. Here we go. Uh, yeah, I, better, I lost it again. I better polish that tomb up, and make it shiny this time. You know, what I'm saying what a miserable old, life. Yeah. You know I'd rather go to a metal show and hang out drinking. There we coffee. go. There we go. There. But,
0: we, and that's why those guys get so angry.
1: Yeah. Oh, big time, big time. Well, th- th- my point is that they were expecting the Messiah. Cain was a letdown. Okay. And immediately, I think the enemy take, took really uh, special curiosity with Cain, prowling around him, looking for entry, looking, what is this? Is this him? And he's like, he didn't look like him. He didn't smell like him. I remember I, w- I was in the throne room. I know the attributes of God, like the demons that recognized Christ. Christ was walking with this, even in his human veiling, even in that similitude yeah. of sinful flesh. He's walking around and they, they just caught an authority. They caught in gestures. They caught a resonant men don't speak like this. Men don't do this. And they're like, he's not going into the, um, he is the law. He's perfect. They knew, right? Well, Cain didn't resonate that. And so what I'm getting around to is that they looked for entry. Devils and the devil look for entry with Cain. And begin going. I got to use Cain to come against righteousness, to come against the Messiah, to come to kill. So right at the beginning, when you see Cain killing Abel, obviously it was demonically motivated. Obviously Lucifer or Satan wanted Abel, righteous Abel. He sees the gospel. He's offering the sacrifice unto the Lord. It was a sweet savor. It was accepted. That guy was born again. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe that was. Oh no a threat. Remember, the enemy's not omniscient. He didn't understand the opacity of what was spoken in the proto-evangelium. So when all of a sudden the enemy is looking, trying to get entrance on Cain, and then he did, Cain was this tool. When he saw Abel, Abel was a threat. Maybe he thought that Abel was going to be the guy. Maybe Abel being obedient as a son and obedient to the Lord, it's like, no, that was the first time around. The devil motivated his his tool Cain which he had entrance in to kill this messiahcal threat either a man that had faith in the Messiah that he wanted gone that he saw as a threat or that he looked at and he thought this guy he's a he's this might be God's man right this may be the man of God the servant and so he killed them fast forwarding children of Israel um. They're going there. It's what did it say? They were like reproducing like flies, you know, yeah. that like uh, fleas or whatever uh, the pharaoh said. And all of a sudden, there was talk and rumblings of a deliverer, you know, in the spirit realm. And then immediately, what does it go back to? It goes along with the abortion talk too. But um, then you have a decree from Pharaoh to kill, kill all these baby boys, right? Mm-hmm. Got to kill the baby boys. Got to kill the baby boys. Why? deliverer bond? He's like, no, God's doing something. He saw the rumblings. He saw the rudiments. He saw God's uh, deliverers coming. I know what was has been spoken. I know this. I know that. And so he said, you know what? Kill Messiah. Kill Messiah. Kill Messiah. And the devil felt powerful and vengeful and all these things and going and, and killing. Fast forward even further and you go into the New Testament when truly the Messiah did come oh yeah beautiful christmas story in the aftermath of we know it to be a couple years later that didn't fit in with your manger scene that you put out every year but um we know that a few years later the magi show up these zoroastrians from babylon right they show up and and then they go and they're like talking to herod and kind of let the cat out of the bag and they're like yeah there's a, a, a sign and a great king and devils a devil in particular on herod is like oh no why would somebody be that threatened of just yeah. earthly power?
0: And that was Herod's frame anyway. He was just very paranoid. Gotcha. He, he was a very historically, he was a very paranoid king. So you had that door of entry right there. So the way that it was set up, the way that God knit Herod—talk about everything. There is no coincidence. God knit him so that door would be there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah that's isn't that crazy? Point? Yeah. Well, he had that that lust already there. It's it's like a nice convenient handle for the devil just to grab and moving somewhat at will, even though it's like, yeah, at will. So what happens? Christ himself, his family took him as a babe and they fled to Egypt, you know? And like we were t- I was talking about last week and the interesting, if you go through the first few chapters of, of Matthew and then you go back in Exodus and you look at how the Lord did the same things. Like he was taken down to Egypt over the waters. He came back over the waters. He was led into the wilderness to be tempted. He went on a mountain and began to, to do that. All these wonderful things. But you notice what happened again. Herod's decree, kill the baby boys, kill the deliverer. So there's part of this embedded rudiment in the devil where the devil is succulently feeling the most powerful in the space that he's been allowed to operate the Bible says that he has come to kill, steal, and destroy, and that he will devour, what does it say, whom he may? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he seeketh who he may devour, right? And um, so it's kind of interesting. So it's like the enemy has been given that allotment. Even though I know I'm walking a tightrope that may offend you, well, God didn't have any evil in him. Yeah, God's not doing this evil, but God allowed the evil in the world. Lucifer didn't rise up in heaven because God was like, What was that? Yeah, it didn't take right. him by surprise at he all. He didn't go get the, the get the pump shotgun in the <laughs> middle of the night because somebody was prowling around. Right. Nothing takes him by surprise. And that can really people don't like diving that deep. It makes them feel nervous with maybe they've kinda, you know, been a little anthropomorphic with their image of God. You know, so you if you notice, so you see this almost like training an animal to do tricks, and I'm not trying to be overtly mocking of, of the devil, right. right? I'm saying this in the fear of the Lord in the context of Scripture and nothing based off my own weakness, because I'm weak, um, and the Lord is strong. But when you look at it, so when the fullness of time had come, the Messiah was given. He started his earthly ministry at 30. He was baptized in the Jordan um, he, his, he, started doing these things and saying these things and devils were following him. Well, would it not have been, you would think he could have read the prophecies. He would have read that this Messiah was going to suffer sorrow and shame. And it was just, he was going to suffer, not his shame. He didn't have anything to be ashamed of, but then he was also going to glory and the children of Israel, everybody was focused on that glory part. Oh, mighty king, rock and oh, iron, yeah. Yeah. you know, going to break the nations wide yeah. open. Rome is going to go. You yeah. Know, oh, yeah. yeah That's that what the they thing. wanted. Yeah. But then you see what happened. So the beauty, the, the peculiar mystery of divine participation, I look at the antagonist, the, the devil, the one that started Adam and Eve wouldn't have fallen, according to what I understand, without Lucifer falling first mm-hmm. and drawing them into that. Also didn't take God by surprise. But so you mean to tell me that this devil has been trained by where he's been allowed to exist, the amount of power, the amount of dominion that he was given in whatever way for the right amount of time, kept him right where he wanted to be. So that when the Messiah got there, he was like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I've been waiting. I've been waiting since Genesis chapter three to kill the Messiah And he was deluded and deranged enough to believe that what is it? this is going to be when you exalt yourself above the stars of the Most High God. This is going to be the big show when you take over and finally you're the secret king. And everybody's like, oh man, Lucifer was the sauce, right? It was not (laughs) really the Lord. So what was he really thinking? It was not that clear to him, apparently. And so he didn't get it. He's like, yes, we've got him. And then all of a sudden, Eloi, Eloi, Lama sabachthani. Christ gives up the ghost. It is finished. The head drops. What was it? When is it? Was it with the crackle of thunder and things growing dark and saints getting up out of their graves? At what point did the devil have his oh manure moment? Exactly. Yeah. You know that's a good point. And you think, and he was like, "Oh crap!" And to me, it's like. Kind of like when you see a cartoon and you see the the one character that's just swinging violently, going to beat him up, and the big guy's just like holding his head with his hand, yeah, (laughs) and he can't reach or land any of the punches. It is literally to the point of slapstick comedy when you actually read it in that peculiarity, and don't read it in some arrogance like you're going to stomp the devil's neck and all this stuff. It's like, no, no, dude, we, I'm, I'm hiding under the wings of Christ. I'll obey. We'll be bold. We're excited, Jesus is that, but I'm not gonna nana the boo-boo, nanan boo-boo the devil, right? Right. It's not my job. And um, but it's just so amazing to see, even with that example, the devil himself is used by God and used not only like in some, you know, oh well, hey, make sure two coats of wax, Biff, right? Right. <laughs> He's not used in some like some over to the side. Yeah. He uses him. To save the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. He did. De- Christ was delivered into the hands of being in this thing all perfectly by plan. And the enemy was peculiarly, weirdly used in such beautiful splendor for the exaltation of God's plan.
0: And that's still going on right now because you take a look at the shakings that are going on throughout the world COVID, economic crisis, everything that has got the mark of lucifer all over it. God's allowing that, but in the midst of this you have people thinking, "Oh, wait a minute. What's beyond this life?" Oh, and you have people reaching out to be saved. Yeah. In the midst of this Christ satanic crisis is what I would call right. it
1: right now, you know. What's well, beautiful to see if God will use his arch enemy to such glory. What will he do with the humble willing saint of God, right? And then when I think about it, in essence, it's all rigged, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you look at prayer, like we brought up. I'm asking an Almighty, Omniscient, Perfect, All Knowing. He's got everything. Cattle on a thousand hill. He has nothing. And I'm being commanded to come before Him and ask Him the will that He lays on my heart, and not to pray amiss according to my own lust. So, what you're asking me to do is allow you to flow through me it's a peculiar mystery of divine participation yeah it's god drawing i know that we love the fact that we're blessed with our engineer Stephen over there on the other side yep and he's very talented with the video and audio and set this beautiful monitor that i set this up for and i can't help but think about the mutual enjoyment that you get and he gets when you get to see God just ignite that gifting and him being able to do those things, and at the same time, it it brings that mystery of participation, mm-hmm. right? So let's imagine that Stephen was five, right? And you bring him in here, and he didn't know exactly how to connect the cables. But still, it's like, it's okay, yeah, right? And then uh, he, he may pee-pee his pants or something right when he's five, <laughs> right in right. the middle of it. But it's like, that's okay, And in the mystery of divine participation, he's loving hanging out with dad. Mm -hmm. You're loving hanging out with him. Gifting and stuff is getting done. It's almost like it's not even so task oriented because almost the burden becomes light and beautiful. And even though it's very important, it's not up to us, the ends of the world, how things unfold, the salvation of your neighbor or your mother-in-law or whoever is on your heart you have to realize there is rest in the sovereignty of God. And Glenn, most of the things, you and I used to be pastors and a lot of stuff's occurred, but most of the things that we are really annoyed about, about a lot of the churches we've been to, is caused because of a lack of understanding of the sovereignty of God. And if it's not, if it's up to me, I have to go create a clever sales device to get people in the kingdom. I have to go and like, man, we gotta we gotta bring a revival. You know, you gotta hold your mouth right, you gotta scream, Glardly. you gotta you do have to stomp the devil in the head, or you have to do something because it depends on you. And then you you pretty much become annoying.
0: <laughs> you, you do because you're walking in your flesh and think of it this way the commission to preach the gospel is referred to as what? The great Great, great Commission. So here I am, this finite, weak being, and I think in my own power and flesh, I am going to make the gospel work, that I am going to build the church. Christ never said that we're going to build the church, that he will build his church. So that really takes a lot of the pressure off when you look at it. We have to participate, and that participation is at the step and at the Level of revelation that we have at that time. Yeah, it's step by step. His yoke is easy and
1: his burden is light. I think we're going to do a lot of. I don't know if this is even scriptural, but I'll go there. Then um, Glenn's like, "Oh no, I'm going to have to edit this." <laughs> <laughs> Stop. No, 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 it's, it's harmless. No. Um, when I think about heaven and the things that I read, and no doubt. There's going to be some remembrance of things on earth. There's going to be crowns given for martyrdom and, and other crowns and wood, hay and stubble. And that's at the Bema seat, right? And, right. um, and then I don't know what will occur after that, but I do know that somehow our reward, our level, maybe our intimacy, maybe our closeness with God has something to do with the, with the cooperation to that peculiar mystery of that participation so mm-hmm. how much our heart not just in exploits notches on the bible or whatever but when you really go and do righteousness when, when you're really like man i'm doing this for jesus right Right. if i toss a 100 bucks in the thing or walking old lady across the street that i'm like i don't really like that lady but i'm gonna do it because it's the right thing as opposed to the lord laying that on my heart and me doing it with joy giving with joy i think there's going to be a lot of campfire stories Talking about the old world, talking about the glories of almost like warriors going, you know, sipping brandy. Oh, the and war going, stories! Yeah. yeah, do you remember the offensive of uh, nineteen forty-three when we were right. there, pinned yeah. down, and and then you're like, you're 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 speaking of. Do you remember when and and the whole age of grace, the whole age of the knowledge of good and evil? It would be like that's that was your battle. That was it. There's going to be eons of pleasure and all the things that are we're drawn to in the flesh. And we're going to have fun and, and all that stuff won't need to be worried about. But this is the life we get. We get to live it. You get to live and have adventures and glory in the good kind, right. not vain glory, but right. glory. You can go for something to like what it said. I love that line in uh Gladiator where he says, what we do echoes throughout eternity. You know, that's kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. So I. It's, it's divine participation. It also dovetails in with what we were talking about, about the whole meaning behind the Sabbath rest and that, that, that stooping down of his sentience, his uh, inviting us onto his lap, you know, and so forth. So just very, very exciting stuff, um, you know, with that. But yeah, you know, the Lord's wanting to do some wonderful things and it's just, uh, there's a lot of, um, A lot of examples of it in Scripture. One of
0: the examples you brought up to me the other day was in Isaiah chapter 7 with Ahaz. And I've been thinking this through over the past couple days, and I want to talk about that a little bit because this is going to blow some of our listeners' minds because it blew my mind when you take a look at it, and there's other examples of it as well, where um, Isaiah comes to Ahaz and says, Hey, what sign do you want? All right." And in Isaiah chapter seven at verse eleven, this is what Isaiah said. I'm so I, glad I got you the notes here. Yeah, I want to dive into this here. Um, Isaiah said to Ahaz, "Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above." Go figure. Here's a open credit card with no limit on it. Okay, he just got the the heavenly Amex Black Diamond Gold. Okay. I don't even have an Amex, you know. I'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. And it says, ask from the bottom of the sea to the heights of heaven. That is the boundaries.
1: Name something outside of that.
0: Yeah, uh, (laughs) I can't. I, I, I really can't name anything outside of that. So it's basically boundless. And you can't say that Ahaz was a good guy. Yeah. He wasn't. Uh-huh. Go to Matthew Henry's commentary. I was reading it this morning, and Matthew Henry wrote, he was a bad person.
1: <laughs> I mean, just really. <laughs> that, that, <doesn't>, <laughs> that doesn't sound very Matthew Henry-esque.
0: Yeah, yeah but it, he was it. a bad person, yeah. I was like, okay, I, I can get that. So this is somebody who was trusting in the Assyrians, the Assyrian gods, yeah. and their style of worship and worship them. And here comes Isaiah to him and saying, okay, your God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one that you really should be worshiping, is giving you an open, what do you want? Mm. This is where it gets really kind of weird. Well, okay, there are times where God does say, what do you want? That is his will to do that, to say, hey, what do you want? That is my will. We've gotten into this legalistic thinking from the twangy church that God's will is always just to crush your dreams and just make you suffer. <laughs> You're gonna suffer. Your desires, no. Get those in line with the will of God, Dan, okay? <laughs> Go um, back to your gruel. <laughs> <laughs> but there are sometimes, and God will do that, and I. it has nothing to do with how good we are, as we can see in this example with Ahaz. But then Ahaz, here's where it gets mind-blowing. He says to... Uh, uh, Isaiah says to well, Ahaz says to Isaiah, hey, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Okay. He puts on this cloak of false humility of, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, this, this little person and I'm not going to ask God. And then Isaiah basically looks at him and very diplomatically, but probably at that time it was a very sharp tongue, says, okay, you weary your people with your ruling with all the things that you do, and now you're going to be loathsome to my God.
1: Mm.
0: What are you thinking? And then the sign is given. Mm. And it's one of those evangelical signs, speaking of the prophecy of the coming of Christ that was given. So with this, we see a couple things. First of all, there are times that God does say, and it is his will. It's like, okay, what do you want to do? What do you want? I've had a few of those over the past several months. In putting different things together for Lithos Cry and things that we're doing. I'd call up Stacy up in North Carolina and be like, I don't have a word on this. What are you getting from God? He's like, um, either you can go either way with this. It's what you want to do. It's up to you. I had never, that was really kind of the first time I've experienced it. Lamborghini, it is Lamborghini. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) But you look at what scripture says in Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, it's one of those mysteries of prayer. Asking ye shall receive. And I thought about that a little bit. I was like, well, how come we do a lot of asking and not receiving, but you go back and rewind? It's really not asking that we're doing. In a lot of instances, we're demanding. Hmm. We've taken what it says in the book of Hebrews of entering in boldly into the throne room for the grace that we need. I'm paraphrasing, but mm-hmm. we're not in the pulpit, so I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. You can go look it up. It's in there. We think that boldie is going in and demanding God, you will do this for me, God, because you made me a little God. I demand of you. Uh, does that sound familiar? Yeah. All right. That is not what it's saying. It's saying that we should not approach timidly, but we still ask. There's that posture of humility. Yeah. All right. There's another example that, that is absolutely wonderful, and that is the example of King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3. And this is where it gets really kind of crazy because Solomon was on his way to go make sacrifices, and he was making sacrifices in the high places. And one of the places that he was making the sacrifices in, he offered up a thousand sacrifices. These sacrifices were not to the Lord, but they were to other gods.
1: Hmm.
0: He loved the Lord, but he was still doing this. But you read in 1 Kings chapter 3, this is where it gets really strange, and this really kind of throws out everything that gets twangy in a lot of ways. After he's done doing these sacrifices at night, God shows up, and Solomon recognizes him, and the Lord is like, so Solomon, what do you want?
1: In what way? Like a Christophany, or I can't remember. He showed
0: up. um I take a look at it right here. I do have it in the notes. And I don't want to... First Kings chapter 3, and Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of David, his father... Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. Hmm. We'll talk about that in a second. In verse 5, in in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon. He appeared to him in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what shall I give thee? And Solomon thought that one through. Um, How many wives did he have anyway? So that wasn't even that wasn't (laughs) even on the list. (laughs) (laughs) That, That really wasn't even on the list. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for any of that. He asked, and it really wasn't even for wisdom that he asked for. People, they boil it down and well, he just asked for wisdom. He asked for something very specific. This is what he said. Give, um, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy great, thy so great people?
1: Hmm.
0: He asked for the ability to judge and to rule the people for discernment for understanding. And then in verse 10 it says and the speech pleased the lord that solomon had asked this thing. And in verse 11 it says and god said unto him because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked thys- uh, thyself long life neither hast asked riches for thyself nor hast asked for the life of thine enemies but hast asked for, for thyself understanding to discern judgment behold, I have done according to thy words. And he gave Solomon wisdom. That
1: is so mysterious.
0: And this is mysterious because this is at a time that Solomon is making sacrifices to idols. So, for the twangy preacher, there's something else I want to hit upon here. And this is the mysteries. And this is why the twangy kind of clouds it all up in a lot of ways. I hear so many people say, twangy preachers, well, I ain't going to listen to any music written by anybody that's Sacrificing to idols. Well, I ain't gonna read anything by this person because they're sacrificing to idols. It's not the straight and narrow. Well, how many books of the Bible were written by Solomon that was sacrificing to idols? Yeah. Oops. Okay. It's a mystery. But there was enough there where Solomon was he was a willing participant because we know he was participating. Because he was walking in the statutes of his father David. Hmm. And he loved the Lord. There was a heart position towards the Lord. So, in both of these instances, you know, and if what Solomon asked for was not something that was sinful, I'm sure God g- would have granted that as well. I really believe that that's the case. But we've gotten so narrow in our mind and our thinking. And when we think of this, I think of what Ahaz said, and I think of what Solomon did. We have both Psalm 80 and Psalm 81 in asking of the Lord, because remember in Psalm 80, it talks about how God is incensed and smoking hot with anger about the prayers of his people. But then in Psalm 81, it says, Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it well, it doesn't say what you should open your mouth wide for. It just says open it wide. And I believe that where we're at right now, God is just asking for us to open our mouths wide, to ask, to be in that position, not demanding, but asking God, this is what I would like. Because he's the one that knit knit us. Everything that's stirring in us, yes, it gets bent because we're falling, it gets Bent because of demons and everything like that. But everything that's stirring in us or has stirred in us is what God put in there. And he knows we're going to ask those things anyway.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a mystery. Yeah. It's a mystery. So don't be ashamed. And I'd like to encourage our listeners as we're moving forward right now, as we're moving forward in the year 5781 and the promises of Psalm 81 to open their mouths wide. Ask. Ask. Of the Lord. What it is that's burning and stirring in you? I would not be surprised if he answered those prayers in in absolute humility.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful because you can see that if God will use Ahaz, God will use uh, King Solomon, even when he's not, when he's leaning or being tempted by idolatry. Yeah, um, there's an intimacy for the believer. If God will use Judas, you know, there's an intimacy that when I go, oh, Lord, how can I participate? And he wants to draw you into his presence. You know what's amazing about that account with, uh, with Ahaz to me, Glenn, is it's almost like two kingdoms meeting. You've got this worldly kingdom, this wicked king. You've got all the things that are on his mind and in his heart you got him going about ruling and making decrees and chopping heads off, doing king stuff, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What'd you do? (laughs) I'm just doing king things. Hey,
0: honey, what you doing
1: in there? (laughs) King things. Chop his head off. Hey, we're doing poker tonight? (laughs) Well, I I got five more heads I got to cut off, and then we'll do poker (laughs) later on. So, but he's doing king stuff, right? He's got this thing that's going on with him, and then it's almost like God pulled the curtain back. Yeah. And then you get to see that what he was doing and feeling and seeing that there were these enemies gathering around Jerusalem, he's looking this, and a prophet comes to him and said, ask it, carte Blanc. Mm-hmm. What sign would you ask of God? Yeah. And he will give it to you. Do you realize, I believe demons, Lucifer is probably like trying to get to his ear, to whisper in his ear to take advantage of that influence, and it like, God... Just when he wanted to, said it to him, say it. And then Ahaz, part of why I think he refused that he did the super spiritual parlay, right? He I was know. like, oh, I don't want to weary the Lord, right? Yeah. And he's, he's like, I wouldn't do that. Part of it was because we're not just lustful and fallen for sin. We have iniquity, which iniquity is like when you get pretty good at it, like it's you're fluent, right? You speak sin fluently. It's not just, oh, I missed a mark. You've got a fluency in sin. And part of the thing, Glenn, if he had said, yes, God, uh, rain gold down upon my kingdom, I would like show the world that you are great for Israel by making me the richest man that shall will ever live. Right. And he wouldn't even do that. Not that he wouldn't have enjoyed the gold. But he wouldn't do it because he, in his mind, was having to make God, God. Exactly. He that, didn't yes. want him on the throne. Yes. He had to submit and yes. sit there and go, God, If even a, though I want the gold, oh, I can't ask you for it. I will not bow the knee I you. will not bow the knee. And even if I'm satiating my lust, you just made it okay. You just made it your will. You just made my lust your will. Yeah. So you moved that out of the way. And you said, go for it. I want to do this, this, and this. And then what did he do? He wouldn't do it. And then God said, well, I myself shall show a sign. And you know what, listeners? Go look up what that sign was. (laughs) <laughs> you know what i'm saying i'd never heard oh, that properly knew, yeah. i'd never heard that properly preached no it just kind of skipped over yeah
0: and, and what the context is at the beginning and then you take a look you are absolutely right is that ahaz did not want to bow the knee no he didn't he wanted to stick with the assyrian gods yeah he wanted to stick with the lust of his own flesh because he knew that bending the knee would mean that he had to give that all up oh yeah he did not want to let that go. And that's where a lot of people stuck in religion are right now. They do not want to let go of their idolatry. There's a lot of people right now who God is giving an open checkbook to saying, what, what do you want? What do you want? Oh, I'm not going to take that. Well, I'm I'm too religious, Lord, and I don't want to weary thee with, with my words. And no, that means you just want to hang on to your stuff. You don't want to let it. Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to start that. But it goes into Psalm 81. Again, because you look at Psalm 81 and what happens is it says, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. But then you read what Israel normally does is they keep their mouth shut and they go their own ways. Wow. And they're given over to that and they miss the blessing of the Lord. Wow. So what I'd like to encourage our listeners to do is what is it that the Lord is saying, hey, here's the open checkbook. What do you want? Bend the knee. It's going to require humility. It requires humility to say that God, I want this. I, I want this. I don't
1: quite understand it, but this is this is what I want. Right. And a lot of times, I think we're baited into striving to get. I can't have that. I can't have. I need it. I lust. I, I try to get that. Oh, I want His wife. Mine's not enough. I want this. I want those riches. And then when the Almighty says, "Name what you want," yeah, you're like, uh, yeah, you never really. Thought about it, And then when you do examine yourself, you say, I'm a hollow, vacuous, yeah. predatorial, lost person. I'm a, bag so, of bones. Yeah, I'm a bag of bones. I'm a so, bag of bones. Yeah, I, I want to encourage our listeners, too. You can look at the Word, you can look at yourself, and you can really sit there and go, God desires to be intimate with you. And to be able to do that, if you're lost, maybe you don't know that much about the Lord. Maybe you're like, why am I listening to this podcast, but something about it was funny or interesting or whatever um, you know you i encourage you there's there's only one vein that god really left for the lost it's the only avenue of real communication everything else pretty much bounces off i spent a lot of my christian walk trying to convince people that jesus is real god is real look see here in the fossil record and and i like apologetics i like archaeology and and uh, creation or uh, you know, science and so forth. But it's like, yeah, that's not going to get anybody saved. There's only one thing. It's called the seed of faith. It's also called a conscience and con with Science. science, knowledge. And so when you're talking to somebody, they may be a brilliant mathematician. They are, I claim to be an atheist. That avenue of conscience, when I speak to you about the law, try to keep the law. (laughs) knock yourself out right yeah and um but yeah no that's good
0: absolutely and it's the foolishness of preaching it is it's the foolishness of preaching that leads a person to salvation yeah it really does that's good stuff so for our listeners hey thank you for all of our new people that are watching us on youtube we've got the subscription button down at the bottom go ahead and subscribe to our channel we thank you those that have done that there's going to be a lot more coming from Lithos cry in the next several weeks, next several months. I'm that not going to let the cat out of the bag yet, I but know. yeah, you're going to have to stay tuned for the wild adventures of
1: I knew Dan you
0: and Glenn. Uh, what we are going to be bringing some more stuff out. As you can see, we've got two cameras now in the, uh, in the studio. Hey, Moving Steven, on, no. can you shoot over to, Hey, there we go. There's the other shot of us right there. Okay. You can take it back and we've got Steven engineering. This uh, bad boy here makes my life a whole lot easier. Got a lot of things going on, but check us out at lithoscry.com. That's L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y.com. Or uh, email us at lithoscry at gmail.com if you have any questions for us. Um, Again, thank you for listening to us, watching us. Everybody, we are still on iTunes, Podbean, if you like to go that route. Oh, man, you can hear us on Spotify. We are also now, you can listen to us on uh, your Alexa on Amazon. Oh, wow. Can we go out twangy?
1: Yeah, let's go out okay. twangy. Like, okay. Just like the Lord, Walker, Texas Ranger, always shows up right at the right moment to bail him out. You see him coming in his truck. How else could you get twanging? Now it's your turn. I want to see your Connecticut twang. <laughs> Now, Vinny and the boys, what are they going to do to you? How you doing? I, I see you making change in that offering basket. Don't, that bad is not for the softball team. <laughs> the church softball team. <laughs>
0: People, thanks for hanging out with us. Peace out and rock on. We'll see you next week. LithosCry.com